Anybody? I, I don't know where you buy turtle doves. You can get a turtle and a dove pretty easily, but... But this is the second day of Christmas. Next Saturday will still be Christmas because Christmas is a season of how many days? Twelve, like the song I just mentioned. There are twelve days of Christmas. That's why we have the song. And we call this wonderful season Christmas Tide. Christmas Tide. So we are going to light our Advent candles, maybe. And uh, read as we do. Today we light five candles. The first candle is called hope. It is a reminder of the hope. God's promises are true. Second candle is called peace. God's gentle peace in our world. Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. The third candle is called joy because of God's absolute presence in our lives. The fourth candle called love. And that revelation of love shared to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we light the final candle to remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let us read together. Come, all is ready. Let the light of this candles called hope, peace, joy, and love, that Christ may be a light in our lives and in our world. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these many gifts you have given us this Christmas season, this Christmas tide, gifts of hope, gifts of peace, gifts of joy, and gifts of love, ultimately the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, light into our dark world, light into our lives, light that transforms, light that changes us from the inside out. Let us come now, still in the midst of our Christmas season, still in the midst of expectation, that we may hear now, as we end our year together, hope for renewal, peace, that comes from it joy that will never end love between us and all people. And most of all, a covenant with you that lasts forever. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Today our reading, and we'll go through it a couple times, but our reading comes from the prophet Jeremiah. It's a passage I like to share Uh, Just as I like to share the Christmas story around Christmas, I think this uh, prophecy is important as we end our year together. Jeremiah, if you have your Bibles with you, is a prophet in the Old Testament, comes after Psalms. Psalms is if you have a book in the middle of your Bible. If you have an app, you just go to Jeremiah, and it's pretty easy to find. Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, right after Isaiah and the Psalms, Proverbs. Jeremiah 31, 31. Hear these words. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me. 
even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is a covenant that I will make with people of Israel after that time. I will put my instructions within them and engrave it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. One of my favorite scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, probably just period, because it talks about this wonderful time that we believe was fulfilled. This is a prophecy we believe was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Now, our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, could could argue that this prophecy uh, was also fulfilled in the people of Israel, but we believe that it was complete in the person of Jesus, that there was something new. So I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that as we talk about renewal, right? As we get to the end of the year, we often talk about resolutions, right? We all have them. We're going to eat healthier, exercise more, sometimes take vacation, you know, more, right? Relax, don't stress out. Next year, we just, you know, how many of you are still suffering from your Christmas hangover, right? Gets a little intense sometimes. But then next year, we say we're going to scale down, right? Less presence, less stress, less busyness. We're just going to enjoy our Christmas, right? So we make resolutions, and, and we're not very good at keeping resolutions. But I want to talk about renewal, all right? I think that's something that's maybe more achievable because it's not just this one-time thing. It's this, it's this lifetime thing. And I've been experiencing a couple different types of renewal, one that you, you're already sick of me talking about, and that's my renewal of my love of Star Wars, right? Can't help it talk about it because it's been renewed in me afresh again right it's been awakened i I already preached on that a couple weeks ago yeah it's been awakened when i was give or take a few weeks two years old it's probably a little younger than two but give or take a few weeks when i was two years old my parents took me 1983 my parents took me to return of the jedi for those of you who don't know that was the third movie in the original franchise, right, 1983. And I was two years old, and that started my love affair with Star Wars. Although my brother, of course, loved Star Wars. He was 12 uh, or, or 13 <coughs> when that movie came out. So, of course, he was very excited about it. He hadn't seen the other two, and, of course, he had memorized the script for the original Star Wars and knew all kinds of stuff. And so I was indoctrinated from my even early years to love it, but I, uh, it, you know, there wasn't this kind of secrecy uh, uh, with the new movie, so we all we already knew kind of what was going on. And I must have, at two years old, already known what Ewoks were. I don't know how, but at two years old, I already knew, and I could say Ewok. And so when the Ewoks came on the screen, I'm told because I don't remember because I was two, that I ran down to the screen because that was the first movie I'd ever seen to get the Ewoks. Right? They're adorable. But then there's this period of time from 1983 until later in life that, you know, you'd see Star Wars on TV, and of course I had all kinds of toys and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, there's a waning in your love affair with whatever it is that you enjoy. And I remember, of course, when uh, it was finally released on a 
VHS, some of you know that, you know, when VHS came out, it was really expensive to buy a movie, right? You'd have to record them on TV. But then it was released in a way, kind of reformatted that you could afford. And so I bought that. And then the special editions came out in the theater. So I waited in line and I watched that. And then the prequels came out. We watched that. And then there's kind of been this law. And then three years ago, Disney bought Lucasfilm. And for those of us who are Star Wars fans, that was very exciting. Because they said, there's going to be a new movie. And not only is there going to be a new movie, there's going to be new movies every year until we are sick of it which will be never. (laughs) And so there's been an awakening, right? A renewal in my love of Star Wars. I went and saw it on Thursday night with Ryan, and then Alex and I went and saw it on Monday. Uh, And we're going to see it probably more times in the future. I went out and got some of the books that just came out that day so I could learn more about what happened because it was so exciting. I'm listening to people who are older than me just talk about it hour, hour after hour on podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So there's been this renewal, my passion. Renewal, you've experienced that in your life. It, it's pretty much uh, across the board, isn't it? There are highs and lows, ebbs and flows in your relationships, in your marriages, in, in the times you have with your children, right? Sometimes they're better than other times. There are ebbs and flows, but sometimes there's a renewal. We get together on Christmas and we're renewed as a family. We feel like, yes, this is what it's all about. We're renewed. Sometimes your work gets kind of overwhelming and then something happens, a new project or something exciting, and you're renewed. And we need that in all of our relationships, in all of our passions, whether it's our hobbies or our love affairs with film or uh, our work or whatever we do, we need renewal. And so in our Christian life, we act like we can just declare. We, we went to a big church um, on Christmas Eve, and it was wonderful. And, of course, it ended with, you know, the, the common uh, evangelical uh, big church, you know, kind of ends with this, you know, say this prayer and accept Jesus into your heart, which is wonderful. I, I love that. But then we act like that's it. You do that, and, th- and then you go on forever and ever, and, and, you're, and you're happy, right? But you need to be renewed. Because that one prayer is not always good enough. That one statement isn't always good enough because guess what? Sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes, although we're so excited on Christmas morning, our two little boys fight, or three, or you know, four, etc. some of us, right? And so then we get upset and we're yelling and we're screaming. I'm just, you know, theoretically, <laughs> right? That happens, I've heard theoretically and then you have to have a renewal you have to remember that our relationship with Christ needs to come first and those things peace hope joy love that's what is most important and that's what we need to share in our world man in our world that's just consumed with fear consumed with anger consumed with hate it's nice, at least at Christmas, you know, Facebook's kind of positive. <laughs> We've had a, a, a week or and a half kind of reprieve from political garbage, right? All that fear-mongering, all that anger-mongering, all that hate-mongering. We can remember that. At least there's part of the year that we can pretend to like each other. And so that happens in the course of the Bible. It happens in the course of our lives. And this passage from Jeremiah is a wonderful reminder that I like to pair with a wonderful prayer. 
just talked about prayers, right? A wonderful prayer that reminds us of this renewal. So here, I, I just want to go part by part uh, quickly to kind of talk about the renewal God is talking about here in Jeremiah <coughs> telling to the prophet. Remember here in Jeremiah we have this, uh, we have this problem uh, in, in the course of the uh, uh, history of the Old Testament. Uh, the problem is that there was a kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Remember God made a covenant that there would be a kingdom and that the people of Israel would be the kingdom of God, right? But there's this problem. The problem was uh, the people weren't very committed to God. The kings weren't very committed to God. So the northern kingdom, because there was one kingdom, then it split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, Israel, had fallen. And then the southern kingdom, Judah, had fallen. And the people were sent into exile into Babylon. And the prophets, Isaiah lived during that time. Jeremiah lived during that time. And the prophets are the ones who are saying, now it's too late to turn back, right? It's too late to repent. The kingdom has fallen. But they're saying, listen, there is hope. There is hope. And Jeremiah, hearing from the Lord, says, the time is coming. This is from the mouth of God because it says, declares the Lord about 40 times, just in case you were concerned. The time is coming, God says, when I will make a new covenant with the people, and this is interesting, of Israel and of Judah. Both kingdoms, not just, not just one kingdom, not just the ones that were kind of better than the other ones, because remember when the time Jesus lived, that northern kingdom had become Samaria, and that's where all the sinners lived, right? They didn't quite follow the, the rulings of God in the life of God, but God says, I'm talking about everybody, not just one group, not just the other, but everybody. It won't be like that covenant I made with them when I took them out of Egypt. You remember in the Old Testament, there are a lot of covenants. There's a covenant God makes with Adam and Eve, right? We talked about that a little bit on Christmas. Don't, you know, all this stuff is yours. I've created paradise. You can have anything you want. Uh, just don't eat this fruit because if you eat this fruit, you will die. Uh, and didn't go well we broke that covenant god makes other covenants god makes a covenant with noah right i'm going to save you god makes a covenant with abraham i will be your god you will be a father of a nation and then god makes a covenant wonderful covenant with the people of israel who god saves from egypt and that's a wonderful story most of us know god comes out of you know, or Moses goes into Egypt and says, let my people go, and all that stuff happens. Then they get out into the wilderness. God, is, there's been all kinds of plagues and awesome stuff. And they get out into the wilderness, and God makes a covenant with them. And that covenant is the law. God even, you know, scribbles some of it down onto some rocks. And then, you know, things don't go real well the first time. But eventually things go pretty well, and they get all that laws and all that stuff figured out and the people follow the law and then they break it and then God summons somebody to get fix them and then they go back and forth and back and forth and it never really sticks is the story of the old testament it never really sticks because it's dependent on us it's dependent on humans to get it right and we have this habit of not getting it right we have this habit of going our own way following our own desires 
just screwing up on a regular basis, you know? I have little humans living in my house, and that's just like a daily reminder because they do terrible things all the time, you know, right? No, I mean, I'm, they're just little kids, but, you know, they don't, they don't learn from their mistakes immediately. Take some time, right? And we as adults don't always learn from our mistakes. Sometimes you think we should, but we don't. So God says this isn't going to be like that covenant, that covenant that it just never stuck. It won't be like that covenant where I said, here, you know, if you want to be in relationship with me, just do this stuff and it will be fine. And, 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 but it, it just didn't really stick. So God says it's going to be a new covenant. A new covenant. This covenant that I will make, says God, I will put it on their hearts. The, the, the Bible says, I will put my instruction, right? The law, you know, the instruction, that's what the, the, the Torah is. It actually means instructions, right? I will put their in, my instructions within them, and I will engrave it. Have you ever seen something engraved? You know, it's hard to get something unengraved. You can put like a decal on something, right? And it can come off in the wash. But if you engrave something, go to Ace and, and get something engraved into a shirt, it's not going to come out really easily. Not if it's engraved. Or if you get something engraved, you know, stuff on your rings or jewelry, it's not going to come out engraved on our heart. Think about that for how many years, for how many centuries was the covenant written down? It was on scrolls, right? And it, and it was written in ancient Hebrew and it, and it was passed down from generation to generation. And it, and it was just, it was written down. It was memorized, maybe. People memorized all 613 laws. They argued about it. They fought about it. But God says, I'm going to do something new. Instead of writing it down, Instead of telling you, and then instead of you arguing about what it really means, I'm going to put it on your heart. Now, we Christians get in the same problem that the uh, ancient Israelites did because this, our Bible, which they had the first half of it, right? This, without what God is talking about in, in, in this passage, is just pages with ink on it. It doesn't mean anything by itself. Now, it's awesome, and it, it, it's brilliant, and it's meaningful in some respects, as was the law, because the law taught the people to love God and love their neighbor. But you can memorize something. You can read something. It can have no impact on you. Have you ever read, uh, you know, I, this, this reminds me of, you know, existential philosophy in school. I took a whole course on existential philosophy, which is uh, awful. Um, no, I mean, it's good to ask those kind of existential questions, but uh, some of those French ex existential philosophers were kind of uh, windy with their talking, and Jean-Paul Sartre especially, every sentence he, he said was a paradox. So, you know, everything was contradicting everything else, and I had to read all thousand pages of being in nothingness in like two days. So have you ever read something, especially when you needed to read it, and, and you like read 50 pages and you have no idea what? Right, what you just read, and you're like, you know, right? I have no idea 
you know, or you're just tired, you sit down to read a book, even a novel, and, and you know, just have no idea. You, you can go into this with, with zero impact. Now, I believe you can open the Bible if you've never opened it before, and, and, and God can speak to you, but that's because of what God is talking about. And when we read the Bible, when we study it, when we hear it, it's not just the words on the page. It's not just the human aspect of this book called the Bible. It is something else. It's the God aspect. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's what God is talking about here. God says there will be a day when I am going to be present in your heart. And so when you read my word, it's going to come alive to you. When you pray to me, it's going to be heard and you will be able to hear me. It won't just be words. It won't just be, it won't just be pen and paper. It will be a living relationship. I will speak to you. I will live in your heart and you will be present with it. So that's what God is talking about. Someday, and that day is now. That day was Pentecost. That day was Christmas morning. That day was Easter. That day has already come. We're living in that age when the law is written on our hearts and it's written on everyone's heart, whether they know it or not, because it is born into us. The grace of God exists in us regardless of who we are. Not unlike the force. No, yeah, I'm sorry. We already talked about that in a previous sermon. So it's alive in us. It's present in us. It's not just words from somebody. It's not just teaching. It is living instruction. It is engraved on our hearts. Then God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. God has said that several times throughout Scripture. That, I mean, I mean, that's really God's purpose this entire time. I will be your God. You will be my people. There will be a relationship, a covenant between us. And in the ancient world, a covenant was kind of what we think about marriage today. I mean, that's kind of the last covenant relationship that we have today. That everything that is mine is now yours, and everything that is yours is now mine. That was the ancient law of covenant. So when Abraham made a covenant with God and, and Abraham walked down that narrow corridor of sacrificed animals, it was gross, and, and you know that light moved, and, and there was this relationship, this new relationship where Abraham now had access to everything God had. God had access to everything Abraham. It was a partnership a relationship. And that's, that's what God is saying. God is not saying, and they will be my servants, and they will be my slaves, and they will be less than me, right? That's what a lot of gods in the ancient world talked about. God is saying, and then throughout Scripture, and then Jesus Christ affirms it, and then you know, all the Holy Spirit affirms it, that I will be their father, their mother, their parent, and they will be my children. That's the kind of relationship we're talking about. A relationship of unity, a relationship where God is saying, you can be part of my kingdom. You can be an heir, a child. You can be adopted into my family. That's the New Testament uh, theology, adoption. You can become a child, a son, a daughter, a prince, princess to the kingdom of heaven. That's a big promise. That day is here. I love this next part. 
it's always meaningful because uh, we just come around to it generation after generation. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, know the Lord. I love that. Because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. I love that. They will no longer have to teach each other. We'll know, the, know God, know the Lord, right? That's what the, the law was really all about. Well, how do you know what is God like? And then they would argue about it. Well, God is infinite and God is all-powerful and all-knowing, ever-present, omnipotent, right? Then we would get into these arguments about, well, how do you know and all this kind of stuff. And we do this time and time again. All great philosophers, all great theologians, all great thinkers, all teenagers, right? Everyone who has ever existed has asked that question, how do I know God? And sometimes in the church we've taught, not not just the, the Israelites, but ourselves in the Christian church, we've taught, well, you know God by learning, you know, by reading the Bible and then by going to these courses and, you know, by, by knowing all of this stuff and you can go to school and take classes and we can teach you about the nature of God, who God is. And when Jesus Christ was born, we knew God in a very real way because God, Word, became flesh, lived among us, born as a human child, fully God, fully human, lived among us, spoke to us, lived for us, died for us, rose again. And so it's not a matter of, well, how do you know God? God says there will be one day when it won't be a question you ask because you will know because I have been with you. Right? That's what we believe. That's why we believe Jesus Christ is so important. Because it wasn't just God up in the sky. Even today, so many people think, well, you know, I believe in God, but I believe God is is too distant for us to know. We can never really know God, right? God is so far away, so distant, so obscure, that sure, something must have created all of this. There must be some purpose behind this world, behind our lives, behind humanity. But we can't know God. That's not what we believe. We believe Christmas morning changed all of that. And now we know God because God lived among us. Emmanuel, we're going to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Not God away, not God distant, not God absentee father, right? God with us. They will know me from the least of them to the greatest. And we all have that grace in us. Whether we like to admit it or not, even, I was going to say some names. I'm not going to. I was thinking of some politicians. Uh, even, even those people, they have that in, within them. There's that knowledge, that yearning. I want something more. I desire something more. I want purpose for my life. I want to know there's a hole in my heart that can only be filled. By God and that relationship. They know, even if they don't know. They know. And then this last, this last sentence, so this is the greatest of this entire passage. We think of this Old Testament God, right? The angry God. We talked a lot about that in making sense of the Bible. But the angry God, the wrathful God, all this kind of stuff. But 
that's not the God that you hear in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. For the Lord says, I will forgive their wrongdoing, the ancient language, iniquity, or ancient English, the older English. It's not what the Greek says, or the Hebrew says, excuse me. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. Now, there's a lot right there. I love that last line. I will forgive their wrongdoing. Forgive. It's nice to be forgiven, right? We have trouble with it, but God is saying, I will forgive, not just, not just you know, this kind of nebulous person, right? But me, but you. All those times we mess up, all those mistakes, all those times we need a little bit of renewal in our life, God says, I will forgive that. I will forgive that. If you come back, I will forgive that. If you settle down, I will forgive that. If you step out of the room for a few minutes, I will forgive that. Pull off on the side of the... I'm just going through some examples of my own life. <clears throat> pull off on the side of the road for a few minutes. Except when I pull off on the side of the road to call into the radio station angry. That's probably not a good example of that, but it's happened before. And then this beautiful, beautiful phrase, and I will never again remember their sin. I wish we could do that. Because, man, our lives would be better. And that's something we need to aspire to. Because I'm pretty good at forgiving, right? I know some of you are too. But it's really hard to forget, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard even if you can do it for a season, right? Um, you know, I can forgive Jar Jar Binks, but every once in a while, I guess I had to throw another Star Wars reference in there. It's hard to forget, Right? But seriously, you know, it's hard to forget. And, and a season can pass, a year can pass, a, a, a decade can pass, and, and just when you think you've forgotten it, oh, something comes up and it comes right back to the forefront. Your anger and your frustration and the disappointment and the, and the sadness, it just comes right back, doesn't it? Just like it was that day, whatever day that was. And you thought you had forgiven, but, but you hadn't really forgotten. So forgiveness is kind of a renewal thing. It's something we have to continuously do. But hear what God says. God says, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to forget. And if anybody has the power to forget, it's God. Isn't that crazy? You know, we think God hears God, this all-knowing, all-present entity, right? That's, you know, like Santa Claus is all around us, knows when we've been sleeping, knows if we've been bad or good. But God says, I'm going to forget. I'm never going to remember it again. It's never going to come up in conversation. It's never going to come back. You know, you're not going to get to the pearly gates and God's, well, you know, remember uh, when you did that one thing and I forgave you, but mm, not feeling it today. All right? God says, I'm going to forget. 
the infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful God, I'm going to erase that from the memory bank. And it's never going to come back. Hmm. Pray that we can do that every day. Pray that when we forgive, we can forget, although it's difficult. But we know that a God who forgives is a God who forgets. And so we're at a point when we come to the end of our year and we can make resolutions, right? Right? We can say we're going to do this. We can say we're going to do that. Or we can pray for renewal. Wherever we've fallen short this year, wherever we've messed up, wherever the covenant in our relationship has kind of waned, when the excitement's kind of waned, well, I'm not as excited you know, to be part of the community. I'm not excited about this. I'm not excited about my relationship with God. I'm not as excited about reading the Bible that I was maybe 20 years ago, right? However that looks like in our relationship with God and our relationship to the church. And we can say, today I'm going to pray for a renewed sense of energy, a renewed sense of excitement, a renewed sense of prayer for peace and hope and joy and love and so that I can start living out the covenant that I made with God whenever you made it. Whenever you first said, yes, I will follow you, Jesus Christ. Yes, you will be my God. I will be your person. And so we have an opportunity to do that tonight. Uh, and, and so I bring up the covenant prayer here. And, and, and we'll, I'll, I'll do this tonight. And, you know, I've done this over the years in different ways and tried to kind of force, um, not the Star Wars kind, but, you know, tried to persuade using, uh, you, know, uh, you know, emotional manipulation uh, to try to do that. You know, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at that. But, uh, you know, there, there's been ways that, you know, try to kind of put you into that spot. But I, I'm going to offer you this prayer. Uh, and, and we can say it together tonight. Uh, and it's, it's Wesley's Covenant Prayer. Um, I think it's on our website. I'll check when I get home. I didn't check um, uh, with the new website. I think it's on our website. If it's not, you can Google Wesley Covenant Prayer. If you want a paper copy of it, it's in the United Methodist Hymnal. Um, I can print out dozens of copies. I've got little cards with it on there. Uh, it's a wonderful prayer. It's a prayer that I try to pray uh, not just once a year, but like every day. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, it, it's a prayer that I have laminated, um, you know, near one of my devotionals because it's a prayer that I can uh, uh, ask for this kind of renewal. And, and so we're going to pray this together, what I'm getting at. Uh, we're going to pray this together right now. And um, I, I want to offer you this week, however you feel closest to God, it's different for all of us. Some, some of you, um, you know, it's going to be hard in, in a group. Some of you really need, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says, right, go into your closet, right, and, and just time by yourself. Um, if you have little kids, that's called the bathroom. Um, if your bathroom has a lock on it, right? But whatever it is, if it's that silent time, time in your favorite chair and wherever in your house that you just go to pray, you know, it's cold this week. It's going to be cold this week. But, you know, if there's some place you like to go outdoors and pray, 
if there's some people you like to gather with. Some of us really need to be in relationships. So if there's two or three people that, you know, you would just like to get together this week and say, you know, let's just, let's just talk about this a little bit and let's just pray this prayer together or, or just call somebody up and say, you know, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? However that is, you know, if you need to turn on K-Love and, you know, listen to some music. Whatever it is, I, I, I don't know that for each of you. There are so many differences in all of our spiritual journeys and, and so many things that we can do. But I would offer that this week, even though we're going to do this right now, that you find a time uh, to really pray this prayer. Because it's really a prayer of renewal. Not a prayer that's asking for uh, your one and only time salvation, but a prayer that's asking for you to feel as excited as you were when you were most excited, when you were most passionate, when you were most filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a hard prayer because it says some things that are tough. It says some things that are tough, like I'm no longer my own. Yeah, that, that starts you right off real good. And we struggle that with that every day. Or, or put me to what you will, right? What, God, whatever you want me, just put me to what you will. And, and then it gets a little, a little bit more specific. Put me to your work. Oh, we like to do that. Put me to your work. Give me purpose. Help me be part of your kingdom. Help me make your kingdom come. That's good stuff. Put me to suffering. Well, that's less good, right? Let me be employed by you. Yeah, let me be an ambassador to your kingdom. Let me be laid aside for you. Sometimes we need to, you know, take a break. <laughs> Sometimes we need spiritual layoffs, I think, to help renew us. Sometimes we just keep going and going and going and going and, and forget, you know, what we're doing becomes more important than the relationship we had with God. What, we, what we're doing becomes more important than the intention behind the work. Let me be filled. Let me be empty. We don't like to be empty. But when you're empty, that's an opportunity to be filled again. Right? When you're full, that's an opportunity to empty yourself into this world. To share that with whatever, whoever, wherever you go. Let me have all things. Oh boy. <laughs> I like that, right? Let me have all things. Lord, I pray that a lot. Let me win the lottery. Constantly reminded that you have to play to win. Let me have nothing. Feels like that some days too, right? So let's pray this prayer together. It's going to be on the screen. The founder of our church wrote this, and it's been prayed in Methodist churches for over a couple hundred years. And I would encourage you sometime this week, just take this out again. Print off a copy of it, you know, or ask me to print off the copy of it for you. Sign it, date it, put it on the fridge. Laminate it, pray it every day, Lord. Let us pray. I am no longer my own, but yours, O Lord. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, lifted up by you or brought low by you. Let me be full, 
Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine. I am yours. So be it. Let us move now to the prayers of the people. Uh, I will uh, begin a prayer and I will open it up to any concerns in your life that you would like to lift out loud. Um, Of course, feel free to lift them in your heart quietly as well. Uh, And if there are names that are brought forward out loud, uh, we will respond. I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you will say, And of course, uh, remember to fill out uh, prayer cards if you have any prayer concerns that our prayer team can pray for them. So let us pray together, remembering so many others in our lives. Lord, we thank you for so many gifts. We thank you for Christmastide. Christmastide, a season of joy and peace and hope and love. Reminders of the light that came with your son Jesus Christ in our world. We just thank you for the covenant we have made, that you have made with us, that you will be our God and we will be your people. Help us renew our sense of covenant today and every day so that we may truly be Christmas people, Easter people, Christians all year long. Lord, this holiday season comes with joy, but it also comes with sorrow. There are so many as Churches all across the country, all across the world, celebrate on Christmas Eve and bring in family and friends and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on all our festivities and then are closed Christmas Day as there are poor and hungry, isolated and lonely. We just ask that you help us. Even in the midst of our joy, in the midst of our happiness, in the midst of our celebration, that we never forget that we make a concerned effort to find those who need your love, especially those on our margins, that we may share these gifts with them, that we may include them in the life not only of our church, but the life of our families, the life of our fellowship. Lord, we pray for so many issues in our world, for so much pain, for so much hurt, for so much loss. And we lift up any concerns that may come from our congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we lift up these names and so many names, those on our hearts, those we don't know. Sheer love and care, and we ask that you continue to make us 
bastions of your compassion, embodiments of your justice and mercy on this world. Help us be ambassadors, true heirs to your kingdom, wherever we go, wherever we step foot, whoever we meet. Let them know you through us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.